Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, it's Sunday night, and that means it's it's time for another SLC Dunk podcast. Uh, welcome back, Calvin. Yeah, thanks. This is not at all what I expected for this part of the season, but this is uh, this is going to be fun to talk about. No, this has been just absolutely incredible, and the Utah Jazz are are doing things I did not expect this year at all. They look good. They look really good. And they're five and two as of this podcast. Uh, tomorrow they play a gr- the Grizzlies again. Uh, I guess that's just where we should start because this Jazz team has been about as surprising as can be. How good are the Utah Jazz? Yeah, well, we talked about it before the season started that we were trying to predict, and both of us were predicting that the Jazz were not going to be very good. But we did say that you know they have a lot of players who are legitimate NBA players. And so that should keep them from being too far down at the bottom. But I definitely did not expect them to be able to mesh together as well as they have. Um, they've just, uh, they fit perfectly um, in ways that I didn't expect at all. And so um, the biggest thing I think is how the team's working together, the way that they're passing the ball, the way that they're forcing turnovers and, then also just the the big step up that Larry Markinen has made, and everyone's just playing together, and all of that you put that all together, and it's equaling a team that's hard to beat. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's been remarkable, and it's been fun. I mean, I I think there's a lot of things that go into this, and so the the main question is just how good are they? Well, they're five and two. I this. Game, the thing that's been so surprising to me is that they were supposed to be losing a lot of games. This first 20 games, they were playing playoff caliber teams and are still winning. You know, So last night, obviously, they didn't have John Morant. And the Jazz go down to the wire and win a big-time game uh, to, to beat the Grizzlies. The thing is, is the Jazz now have three clutch wins this season. They have two overtime wins. They have a big-time win last game against the Grizzlies. And anyone who's saying that, oh, you know, uh, they didn't have John Morant, so maybe that's not quite as good. Well, the Jazz were playing on the back end of a back-to-back without Mike Conley and still won that game. So this Jazz team, they're a good team. You know, the question is how good. I I don't even know how to... I have been wanting to... I've been looking at videos of Victor Wembenyama for a long time, and I'm starting to just kind of close that out the algorithm's not showing me those videos anymore because basically what i'm doing now is just realizing that the utah jazz are good and if they stay on this trajectory well then you know the only people that are going to get us a, a women yama pick is maybe one of our other picks we have going so so anyways uh that's the question so the jazz are good 
I think we can all agree. The Jazz are a good team. They play. Uh, they are averaging more assists as a team than they were last year by about seven per game as a team. So 29 assists per team. Last last game, they were at 30 assists as a team. It's just crazy. The fact that they play so cohesively together as a team, and it's the beginning of the year, and it's a group of guys that are that just haven't played together. You know, We have guys from the Cavs, guys from the Timberwolves, uh, you know, rookies that we got from Europe, like Fontecchio and guys like that, uh, you know, uh, Walker Kessler looks like a really good player already. So it's pretty remarkable. Uh, the question is, do the Jazz need to make a trade to get worse? That's the question. What do you say, Calvin? This is the question that's going to make everyone either hate you or love you. <laughs> well, it'll probably be half and half because on every, every post about the Jazz that you see online, there's about half of the people saying we need to tank and half the people saying we need to compete. And here are my thoughts. I, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I have not come to a complete decision on the exact um, direction of the Jazz should go because they are too good to be a bottom-tier team right now. I don't think they're too good to be a lottery team. They're definitely – in fact, I think even at their best right now, things will start to fall down to earth. They probably aren't going to win every clutch game. That's a lot of that has to do with luck that happens. That's the variance of a season will even out. Um, but I don't know if the Jazz would have to make too drastic of measures to get themselves all the way down to a bottom three team. They may. I think the best way to go at this point is probably just to keep playing your young guys maybe try to let the young guys take more minutes than some of the veterans and just kind of see what happens. A win is great. That helps your players learn. It helps them get better. A loss is okay too, because that helps your lottery odds. I don't think that the jazz should be making any drastic changes right now. Um, but there are a few things I think we should bring up when it comes to tanking. Cause if they did decide to fully tank, that would not be coming out of the blue. When I see people arguing against the tanking, I see them saying that, you know, the Jazz had a chance to tank last night, but then the players went and made this awesome run. Players don't tank and coaches don't tank. It's GMs that tank. Players always go out there and they try to win the game because that's what players do. Coaches always want to win the game. Their, their jobs rely on winning games. It's the GMs that are trying to tank because they want to get those high picks for future years. So, you can't be judging what the players are doing and saying the Jazz aren't trying to tank. You have to look at what Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck are doing. And what they're doing kind of looks like a tank. So, <laughs> so I don't think that it would be coming out of the blue if we did see a Conley trade or a Clarkson trade or Olinick or whoever. I think that would be pretty well expected based on everything that we've seen in the last year. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, the thing that I've been just kind of blown away by is how good uh will hardy's been he has gotten the best out of every single player on this team every single player is playing either better than they were before uh has either evolved or is playing at just their peak capability and it's pretty remarkable and so that's part of the reason why they're doing this and plus they're playing cohesive they seem happy i loved that video clip the other day it was from Michael Porter Jr. on the Nuggets. And he I guess he went to lunch or dinner or something with Jared Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt just said how happy he was on the team. 
that they're playing free, that he loves playing in a free system or anything. So whatever Will Hardy's doing, it's working. And I think the thing that I kind of, it's hard for me to get that thought out of my mind um, is what does Will Hardy do when he has like an elite, like what if you give Will Hardy a top five to 10 player? This is what he's doing with guys that are in like the top 50 or top 100 in the NBA. What happens if you give him a couple guys in the top 10? You know, and that's really the question to me is like, are we, uh, yes, we're having fun. Yes, we're winning. And I'm going to just enjoy the ride because it's more fun to just enjoy the ride than sit there and chew marbles while the Jazz win games. <laughs> like, that's just not fun. But you also have to under, you have to just think like, Mike Conley's got one year left on his deal. He's not going to be on the Jazz forever. And, you know, likely probably not going to be in the NBA in four years or something like that. Uh, if that. Uh, Jordan Clarkson. Well, Jordan Clarkson has a couple years left, but really the only players on this team after two seasons is like, is Colin Sexton. And so if you're thinking about the future, the best asset the Jazz were supposedly going to have this offseason wasn't even the picks they got for Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. It was or Royce O'Neal, although that pick's starting to look pretty, pretty good, uh, is their own pick. But now if you checked Tankathon today, the Jazz's worst asset is their own pick. So it's a very young season. The Jazz are five and two. I think we've seen a lot already. And in, in my mind, we've seen all we need to with Will Hardy. This guy can coach like crazy. And so I do, I guess maybe we can talk about trade scenarios. There's one that has to like, has to be, be considered. We've seen little Twitter rumors and rumblings out there we've seen people like kevin o'connor talk about it uh the lakers and jazz at some point i think are going to make a trade and really the question is who's it for but i guess that's my question for you should they just not worry about it should they just be good and just not worry about training mike conley should they uh, my mic keeps going down should they trade mike conley should they trade kelly olenic should they trade jordan clarkson or malik beasley what do you think yeah, well, there's no doubt that if they do make this trade, it's going to be a couple of those guys, and it's going to make the team a lot worse because they're not going to keep Russell Westbrook on the team. If they get him, he's not going to stay. They're probably just going to yes. release him as soon as possible. And the Jazz aren't going to be – they're going to become a lot worse if you do that. You even saw – even though yesterday they managed to pull off a fun and exciting win without Conley, you could see there were long stretches of that game where – the Jazz would just have turnover after turnover, and they kind of fall apart offensively. And th so they need that steadying hand of Mike Conley. If you, when you see Kelly Olynyk sit out of the game or Jared Vanderbilt sit out of the game, you'll see the defense start to fall apart. This team is not, it's relying on a few players who are carrying a lot of weight. Markinen and Conley and Vanderbilt and Olenek and Clarkson, those guys are carrying a lot of weight on this team. If you take one or two of those guys away, it's going to really hurt the win-loss record for the Jazz. And yeah, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's what Danny Ainge wants. But the reason that you'd think about it is just because those Lakers picks. They're going to be future picks, I think, 27 and 29. We can't know for sure what that team will be like. It is the Lakers. Maybe Luka Doncic decides he's just going to jump there at some point because that's what happens to the Lakers. They can screw up every year, and then 
some superstar will join them anyway. But, mm-hmm. but if that doesn't happen, those are probably going to be really, really good picks. And so it's got to be enticing. All of the rumors throughout the season or throughout the offseason have been that the Lakers weren't willing to part with both of them. But I just don't think anyone's going to be taking Westbrook and giving good players back without taking both of those picks. So mm-hmm. if the Jazz are going to do it, they need both of those picks without a question. And then that's just going to be a full tank move. I don't know if they'll do that. I don't know if I even want that because like you said, this is a fun ride and maybe it's better to just enjoy the ride and use all the picks we already have and build the team that way. But there's a, there's a, if they did do that, that would make our pick more valuable this year and would give them two more valuable picks in the coming years. So it would be a very good tanking move. See, I, I think that's the smart way to go because I think we're hitting a point now with this season where it's like, obviously the players and the coach aren't going to not try to win. They're going out there and they're playing their hearts out and they're so freaking fun. And it's just like last night. So yesterday I wrote, I just sat down and I said, like thinking about all the different trades and there's lots of rumors going on with the Lakers and it's obvious that they're thinking of they're trying they're going to try to make a move it seems like. They're 0 and 5. Utah's 5 and 2 now. They were 5 and 1 when I wrote or 4 and 4 and 2 when I wrote that. And it just seems like a very like it makes sense that those two teams would make a move. It's just a question of are the Lakers willing to give two unprotected picks and then what is what are the Jazz willing to give them? Um I think they're like you said, it kind of, you know, last last night they win the game without Mike Conley. You know, if you trade Mike Conley and then let's say they want Malik Beasley or they want Jordan Clarkson, I think either one of those guys you probably think about letting them take because guess what? It means Ochai Abaji gets to play. And Ochai Abaji in the la- he's gotten to play the last two games, which has been a really pleasant surprise. He's shown some rookie tentativeness. He's looked a little you know, he's looking like a rookie that's playing his first games in the NBA, but he's also shown little moments where you're like, oh, wow. Like he had like two nice finishes. I can't remember who we played the night before, but la- like last night he's made making offensive rebounds. He's making plays. He actually is defending pretty well. Uh, he was guarding Desmond Bain and or was it Dylan Brooks? And he scored on him once, but there were a couple times where he looked like he was doing pretty solid. So anyways, I think. You probably have to do something because those two picks from the Lakers are just too good to not take. I actually think one of the crux of this jazz team, like the guy that really is making this jazz team so good is actually Kelly Olynyk. He has been just so good. I mean, he is shooting like 60 something percent from three. So that's not going to keep up. That's one of those little red herrings. I think a little bit is like Kelly Olynyk shooting it like this is I mean, maybe he'll shoot 65% for the season. I don't know, but I don't. (laughs) I get a feeling he's going to cool off a little bit, have some cold spells and things. But the thing that's been so good about him is he's been, like his passing, he's averaging like four or five assists per game. The the play that the Jazz are getting from like the center and the power forward position where you have guys that can shoot the ball or play make and pass the ball um, has been incredible. And so if someone like Olenek got traded, that would hurt the Jazz almost just as much to me as if you traded Mike Conley. But I, the the other side of the coin, if the Jazz make a trade like that, and let's say Abaji comes out and then just shoots 40-something percent from three and looks incredible and you still win games, then you just 
then you're just too good. <laughs> like there's not a lot you can do. Uh, but then that means that Abaji's really, really good. So I kind of I'm I guess I don't want to put words in your mouth. I I guess I'm kind of pro making a move. I um I think we should. I think you still need to think about doing that. But then if you keep winning, so be it. And then, like you said, those picks are so good for the Lakers. Maybe the tank just happens with other teams and we just benefit from them being bad. I don't know. Yeah, the I think right now the Jazz are in a win-win sort of scenario. We talked about it in the offseason where we were talking about the coming tank. And and I remember saying something like, you know, if we're winning a lot of games, and that means Larry Markinen is a way, way better player than we thought he was, or Colin Sexton is having a huge breakout season. And so far it's looking like Markinen and Sexton's been really good too. But yeah. If if the Jazz keep winning, that just means that we got better players than we thought we did, and that's a win. If they lose, then that's okay because this was never going to be our year anyway. Our best case scenario, we're probably making a play-in tournament and having a fun first-round series. That's that's probably the best, the winningest scenario that the Jazz could have um, this season, and that would be great for the development of a lot of players. And we'd still have a lot of first round picks to build on that team. And then the total opposite of the spectrum is we make a trade. We're not that good. We lose a lot of games and that's okay. You still get a lot of development and you get a much better pick. So I don't think that there's a bad way for the season to go outside of injuries. I think whatever direction it takes, the jazz are set up very well to build on whatever they have and to come back stronger each year for the next five, six, seven years. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's no bad move they can make. I mean, yes, if they, if they want to get extreme and just trade it, you know, I guess they could, they could go out and just trade even more guys. I do. They, I do think, man, they have something special going on here that really truly is that chemistry that they were talking about. And like the winning culture that everyone's saying they need, my goodness, they have it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think, I think you have to make a trade of some sort because you, I mean, honestly, you have to get something out of this lottery. But like you said, if we get the top, if we get two unprotected picks from the Lakers, those are like, I think it's like 27 and 29. It's going to be post LeBron. We've seen the Lakers just be terrible and they're so poorly run. I mean, they say they make such stupid decisions. Genie bus is like taking advice from like, you know, if we knew the reality, I bet we'd be all shocked at how stupid the situation is for the Lakers. And so that's just a great bet. And so maybe it is maybe. And I, I have to say, I, I'm still in shock. I mean, every time they win, I just go, I don't know how this is happening. How like, and so maybe that's what it is. And the fact that the jazz making a play in spot actually seems pretty legitimate. And to be honest, they're like better than the play in right now. If the playoffs started today, it's not playing. It's like five seed. Could you imagine if they made the five seed like <laughs> again after doing all these moves? And that's legitimately a possibility with how they're playing. Because these first 20 games were like the hardest games. These were supposed to be the gauntlet. And so I'm just, I'm kind of just, I think the, the thing I'm taking away is I'm just going to enjoy the season. Right now, the Jazz sit at the number four spot in the Western Conference. At number three is the San Antonio Spurs at five and two as well. <laughs> uh, last place is the Los Angeles Lakers at 0 and 5. That 
man, that Pelicans trade for Davis is looking just like. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're a Pelicans fan, I know there's like seven of them total, but you've got to be like just ecstatic. Just unbelievable. The Golden State Warriors are sitting at the 11 spot. They missed the play-in today, if the playoffs were today. So it's an early season. Things are going to adjust. But uh, I think I think Mike Conley's the guy. I think for the Lakers. Oh, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. It's it's in the Jazz's best interest. And I know this goes ev- against every and everyone in the chat. Thank you for being a part of the show. It's really fun. But I know it goes against everything to be a Jazz fan, but it it is in Utah's best interest to make the Lakers better. Like, can we make the Lakers better just to help our position? <laughs> They're so bad. They can't win. I don't know how you can manage to have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and be this bad. It's pretty remarkable. But anyways, uh, I don't know. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about that? Otherwise, we can move on to another thing. And just with the potential Lakers trade, they would – genuinely be a lot better if they got Mike Conley and Malik Beasley or Conley and Olenek or whatever the combination is because they are in such desperate need of players who can shoot and players who can just be positive players on the court because they have none of them outside of James and Davis it's just hit or miss who's gonna who's gonna actually be somewhat decent tonight and none of them can shoot including Davis. Um, but oh, it's bad. But yeah, Mike Conley, we know he can shoot. Malik Beasley can shoot. Having a shooter like Olinick at your center position would be huge for him. If we gave them two of those players or Clarkson or whoever you want to put in there, it would make a night and day difference for the Lakers. Just having one guy that they could rely on would be huge. And if you gave them two, that would, that would completely change their team. And so, it would not just tank the Jazz. It would. You're right. It would seriously lift the Lakers up a lot, a long way in the standings. Well, and I wrote about the Lakers. They have the worst offense in the NBA right now. And I was listening to, um, I think it's the Hoop Collective with like Brian Windhorst. Mm-hmm. It's the worst offense since the Sixers when they went one and thirty to start the season. Oh my that's goodness! How, <laughs> that's how bad. <laughs> they're doing 96 points per 100. I can't remember what it is, but it's the worst offense since then. Uh, The crazy thing is they have like the number two or three or four defense in the NBA. So they're actually playing good defense. And so that's why, yeah, like you send them Mike Conley, 
like the upgrade from Westbrook to Mike Conley is pretty drastic. Like, you know, and I know Mike Conley's on the latter end of his career and, and, but he's kind of a perfect fit for what they do. He can play off of LeBron. He learned how to play off of Donovan Mitchell. He's uh, kind of like a, just an elite spot up shooter that can run a secondary pick and roll. You know, right now he's kind of playing more lead guard for the jazz and just racking up assists like crazy. Cause he's such a good playmaker, but he would be perfect for them. And then if you consider, they could also give him another 40% three point shooter in a Malik Beasley or something like that. I mean, it's just perfect for what they, what they need. And then if they even got Kelly Olynyk, then look out, you just made the Lakers pretty darn good. Uh, but anyways, they're going to have to give up picks because <laughs> Danny Ainge right now, the whole, he's just doing this all day. You know, he's just loving every time the Lakers lost every time a Russell Westbrook highlight gets put on Twitter that has him like clanking it off the backboard or, or missing a layup or whatever. <laughs> it just helps our chances even more. So like you said, the jazz are a win-win. All right. I kind of mentioned it before, but, um, is Will Hardy a Hall of Fame head coach already? <laughs> hey, I think the thing that we've touched on, but that's the biggest thing that's been so impressive about what he's done is how he's gotten this team to pass so well. Like we've talked about those stats. I wrote about it recently. As of before last game, the Jazz assist number was the highest that they've had since 1987. And so it was a, it was a crazy, crazy number. And the thing that's so crazy about it is the personnel on this team. Like Mike Conley is a very good playmaker. We know that, but he's never been like a, a 10 assists per game sort of player. He's a, he's a good playmaker, but he's never been like a Chris Paul. Right. And outside of that, mostly you're looking at score first players. Larry Markinen's a shoot first player. Jordan Clarkson, we know is a shoot first player. Malik Beasley, Colin Sexton, all of these guys are scorers first. And so you look at just the, the parts of the team and you don't see a team that's going to pass the ball that well. But he's put this team together and somehow managed to just play with their strengths. And their strengths have been a lot of cutting and a lot of passing and just sharing the ball. And every player has been giving it up. Jordan Clarkson has been the biggest night and day difference where – We've always known he has the ability to pass, but he just he wants to shoot because he's a good scorer, and that's who he is. But we've seen so far in these first seven games, he's putting up, what, five assists right now? And it feels like even more than that because he's not always just hunting his shot. He, he had one game, I think, was it the New Orleans game that down the stretch he kind of played some hero ball and decided he was going to get his but outside of that, it's been a lot of Clarkson driving kicks, creating open shots for teammates, and it just makes him a better player, and it makes the whole team better when he does that. Oh, he's been so much fun. Yeah, five assists per game this season. Uh, like you said, he's passing out to shooters, but he's also dropping. He's like driving and dropping it off to, to you know, Olenek and Vanderbilt, and they're finishing. This team plays. It's just a fun team to watch, and it's such, I, I don't know. I just want to like give credit to this jazz coach. I don't know how he did it because the locker room for Utah last season, in part, you got to give credit, I guess, to the front office too, to just kind of clean house. And they really, if you look at it, they really did kind of clean out any player, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were fantastic and great players, but there was, I mean, every single night we were writing about it at SLC dunk. It's like, Oh, this new, 
you know, Rudy said this after the after the game. Oh, and what does Donovan Mitchell say? Or Donovan Mitchell isn't saying happy birthday to Rudy Gobert on his birthday. And and all these things, like, and I'm not even joking. Like, those were the things we talked about for years. And I'm so glad we're not talking about that stupid stuff anymore. And so the Jazz have um, just gotten rid of of all of that. And they've kept the players that it really seems like they kept the players that were a either talented, young, or good locker room guys. Mike Conley, great locker room guy. Jordan Clarkson, great locker room guy. You know, and they brought in other guys that are either young or talented as well. So you know, the Markinens and Colin Sexton and Jared Vanderbilt. These are guys that are just young, talented. They fit a mold that the jazz want. And, and then I just, like I said, Will Hardy has been unbelievable. His ability to have this team come out and they play so co like they're so cohesive. They are, I, it's just a simplified system. Like that, like Vanderbilt talked about, it's free. A lot of these guys are being allowed to do what makes them really good and just do it better or be free to do it. And you know, what's amazing is they're playing guys like, they're playing like a 10 man rotation, sometimes 11 and not, and double digit minutes. So he's playing like a ton of different lineups. You know, the starting unit has changed multiple times. He has different lineups going out there. He has, you know, Abaji didn't play all year. And then last two games he plays. And I know that's partly because of, of injuries, but he's on the floor. I just could not be more impressed. And one of the things I love about it is he just empowers these guys. You know, he lets them make mistakes. Abaji's made mistakes and he's still out there. But these guys are like knowing that like they don't have to play by a game with looking over their shoulder. Like, am I going to get pulled? Because I, you know, wasn't exactly in the right perfect spot for this pass from, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell or or whatever. Now it's like they just are playing free and it's just fantastic. I can't I can't say how impressed I am. This is not normal what we're seeing guys by the way in the chat if you put if we have a little time maybe we can do a little q a at the very end here but you can put a question in the chat looks like i can show it on the screen so that's kind of cool so anyways if you have a question just ask it and if i like it i'll i'll put it up if i don't i won't um but anyways will hardy uh here's another question i had one of the guys that's been just remarkable this year and has kind of become what we thought he might become in the nba is is lowry marketing um, what are your thoughts on Lowry Markinen and how good is he and can he keep up this level of play? Yeah, so I actually just wrote about Markinen and how sustainable this early season play has been for him because what we're seeing right now is I think about 22 points per game and nine rebounds. Let's see it now after last game is 21 points, nine rebounds, three assists. And he's just looking like he's the go-to guy on the team and he's not disappointing. Um, the interesting thing is that his shooting is a little bit all over the map. A lot of people have been talking about how his three-point shot is just not there so far this year. He's been missing a lot of shots that he would normally make from three. He's a career, I think, 36% three-point shooter, and he's hitting 28% right now. And so you expect that to go up. Um, That's what's crazy. He'll, he might get better. Yep. The opposite side of that, though, is that his uh, finishing at the rim has been incredibly good. And so that may come down a bit, but a lot of that has been a lot of open shots, open dunks, 
Um, and so if we can keep generating those looks, maybe that that can maintain at least closer to where it is. Um, right now it's at a pretty ridiculous percentage, but that'll probably come down. But it can stay really high, and his three-point shooting can come up really high. And then maybe he's a 24, 25-point-per-game scorer. He's not at his peak right now, but he's playing really well, and I think it, it is sustainable. We're going to see some changes as teams learn how to defend the Jazz. We're going to see him struggle at times. Like we've already seen a couple of games where he couldn't hit, just couldn't buy a bucket. But he manages to impact the game even in those. Last night's game against the Grizzlies, he just could not hit a three. But he still managed to grab the rebounds, dish out some assists, finish at the basket, and he just found ways to impact the game. And that's that's what excites me is that he's not completely reliant on his shot in order to uh, impact the game. I agree. I, I think I've just been surprised because, you know, we don't watch all these other teams all the time like the other blogs and all the reporters do. I've just been surprised, like you said, I've just been surprised how athletic he is, how well he moves in transition. I mean, he's one of those players that seems like the them removing the take foul has helped him out in a way because he's getting a bucket or two in transition every night. But I mean, he's finishing at the rim and some of it looks sustainable. Like last night against the Grizzlies, he had that reverse dunk. And I mean, he like adjusted midair to, I mean, it's, I'm kind of blown away. His dunk uh, reel through seven games is ridiculous. He's got so many posts. Well, he dunked on Rudy Gobert. I mean, he just, I mean, the athleticism from him has been, and like the functional athleticism from him has been so impressive. I, I didn't expect it. And like you said, he's shooting like 20-something percent from three, which will likely go up because he's a better shooter than that. We all know he can shoot it. Uh, that Although, you know, at the same time, he's kind of the main – he's the number one option as far as scoring for the Jazz. So I'm sure he has a lot of defenses kind of focusing on him. But, I mean, he kind of fits the mold of a high-level wing scorer because he's so tall. He can shoot over guys. Um, and then you combine it with the fact that he's pretty athletic and he's getting to the line too. Like he's drawing fouls. He's hitting little mid range. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's kind of ridiculous how good he's playing. He's playing like a diet Kevin Durant a tiny bit. And it's been pretty awesome. Yeah. It is rare to see guys of his size move the way he does. He's not, he's not the quickest or the fastest, but what he is is smooth and controlled and he is athletic and he's strong too. We've seen him take guys down in the post. We've seen him go through them to dunk on them or grab offensive rebounds over the top of them. And so just seeing a guy of his size be that under control when flying through the air is rare. You don't really see that on guys that aren't star players. And so that says a lot about his ceiling. Um, he's He's got all the tools to be a legitimate number one option in the NBA. He's He's it's been unbelievable. All right. Paul Lipman asks, do players develop quicker in meaningful games? Is there a risk that player development stagnates in uncompetitive blowouts? That's a good question. Uh, I guess I can start. I agree. I think playing players in minutes that matter is different than just throwing guys out there in garbage time. I mean, in garbage time, you're playing against other garbage time players and everyone's just trying to get like their little moment to make a shot or something to just you know, show up on the stat sheet. And, but like last game, those minutes for Abaji were amazing because that game was on the line. He had to perform. 
I mean, that's the thing is like when you're playing a game that matters, you have to perform. Otherwise, your team loses. And so I think understanding the level of play you have to be at. That was a playoff atmosphere last night. And Abaji was in that game and he I'm sure it just like it just it's a little bit of of getting used to the water. And I, I think there is a difference. I mean, if you just have them in games where you're getting blown out, there's still value to going out there and playing against good teams. Even if you're getting blown out, you'd still learn things. You still learn what you need to get better at. You see other teams doing things. You learn how to defend better, all sorts of stuff. But being out there in a competitive environment has a lot of benefits that you might not have had before. Like the, just basically getting used to that kind of feeling and that level of play is different than when you're on a team that you know you're going to lose. Um, honestly, for a player that's on a tanking team and you're getting better when you know you're going to lose, it's basically up to that player to create that development. Because if you're like developing with other good players, they're helping you. They're teaching you. Mike Conley's pulling you aside. Malik Beasley's talking to you on the bench about something. And if a player's willing to learn, they can learn faster, I think. Um I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I think you're totally right that it, it, a competitive game is a different environment than a, a blowout. And yeah, a player who's getting all their reps in mostly competitive games is probably going to have, at least they're going to have better development chances than players who aren't getting that. That said, I do think that it's important to say that a great player is going to be a great player regardless. They've got the best training. The NBA is going to train them with all of the best resources that they have, and even playing an uncompetitive NBA game is still an NBA game. So it's I think it is better development scenario for a team to be good. But like I mean, just for an example, you look at Shea Gilgis Alexander, who's been playing on the tanking thunder for what is it, three years now? Something like that. And he just keeps getting better and better and better. And they're they're never in close games. <laughs> but I know. That's that's what because he's a really good player. A really good player is going to figure that out. And so if you're worried that you tank and you get Wembenyama or Scoot Henderson or someone like that, and they're not going to reach their potential because the Jazz are losing too many games, I think that's probably an unrealistic fear. I think a great player is going to be a great player no matter how many games they win in the first couple of seasons. Well, yeah, and I, actually, you just made me think. Um, one thing too is if you have a winning team or a winning culture set up then a player like Scoot Henderson or Wembenyama that comes into that, it's like it's already set up. Mm -hmm. It's already a positive culture, and they just learn from that. If you're a team like the Thunder, which, you know, a lot of people are... I, By the way, the Thunder, 3-3. Three and three, uh, They are a pretty decent team. Uh, you, uh, you come into a team like that, and if all the guys are just used to losing, and that's kind of how it goes, then that can affect the player coming in. You know, they just are going to acclimate to the environment in, they're in unless they're like a special personality a special leader something like that someone that says no i'm not i'm not losing this game you know that type of personality um so i it's really clear like what the jazz are doing makes a ton of sense and i just have a i mean the jazz can't trade kelly olenic till november 22nd <laughs> and so that's kind of a date i'm watching like is that when they send over olenic who, by the way, is a better player than Miles Turner, just straight up a better player. Uh, is that the day they send over that and other players? And 
because that's pretty interesting to me. It's crazy how fast the season goes by. We're already seven games in, and it doesn't take long for a team like the Lakers to be just out of the running. If they don't make a, a trade soon, I mean, they have to start winning games. If they want to make the playoffs, a, a five-game losing streak is bad, but all of a sudden a five-game lo losing streak can turn into eight games and ten games. By the way, we play. I'm actually going to be at the game. I think I have like row seven tickets. I'm pretty excited. Uh, I get to see LeBron James for the first time. He better play. He <laughs> better play. I just want to say I saw LeBron James in person. You know, I never got to see Michael Jordan in person. I would like to see LeBron in person at least once. So, anyways, uh, they can get a firsthand look at the Utah Jazz and and Mike Conley and Kelly Olynyk on that night when we beat them by like 20. Can you imagine? <laughs> I I just the Lakers are so bad. They're so bad. And so I just have a hard time, I don't know. And I have here's one thing and I know we're getting close we're at 40 minutes here almost. I have so much more faith in this team in some ways than even last year's team. When we're like close and especially in the fourth quarter, I feel like we have a shot. Like last season, how depressing was last year when you'd be in close games at the end of the season and you're just like, we're not winning. Like we're not going to win this game. They're going to score on us. We're not going to stop them. And we have an inefficient score on our end and we're just not going to win. Uh, this year, it's like, if we lose, I'm almost like surprised. They move the ball so well. They play their offense. There's no like, you know, I do, I do believe that you have to have that top five guy to win a title. I just think that's something you need to win a championship. You just, it just doesn't happen. Uh, except for like one time in like the last 20, 30 years. Um, but the jazz are showing you can win a lot of games with no stars and moving the ball and playing inc incredibly hard, playing efficiently, good shooters. Uh, and so they're just a good team. And I, I don't know. Well, that's, I, I don't know if I have anything else. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Just on, Last year's team is a far better team than this year's team, but on to your point, when it comes down to it, we can trust this year's team, this current team. I can trust them to give it everything to try to win that game, and I could not trust last year's team to do that. So that's the difference. That's why even though last year was a better roster, I sometimes do feel the same way. I feel a little bit more confidence with this year. Um, because I know that they're going to try their hardest to win that game. So I just want to like, I want to look up. I don't know how to look this up. Like clutch wins. Um, okay. So this season, the jazz have four clutch wins in the 2022. Let me just look it up. We can just end on this last season. Oh man, this is live. So who knows clutch wins for the Utah jazz. 17 apparently according to nba.com so we're already 25 percent of the way there <laughs> and i don't know if i believe that i'm all right never mind everyone ignore what i just said i don't believe it <laughs> it's fake news but anyways uh i just don't know uh i just i i love this team it's a lot of fun i think they're going to continue to win a lot of games unless they make a trade and even if they make a trade i don't think that's a given that they'll keep losing uh, if they trade Olenek, I think that's I you know I kind of thought maybe Conley is kind of the guy, but I'm starting to think that Kelly Olenek is kind of the the spoon that stirs this soup a little bit. I think he is kind of the crux of everything they're doing. When you have him out there, 
I don't know. But I guess we'll have to talk next week. Do the Jazz play next Sunday? Uh, I'm going to see. I'm not sure. We'll look it up. If they're not playing, then we'll have another podcast. But if if they are, then we'll just do it the next week. So anyways, guys, if you are new here, make sure that you, uh, if you're on the SLC Dunk podcast, please make sure to rate and review. Leave us a comment. Five-star review would be great. And if you're on the, the channel, just give a like and subscribe if you want. That would be great. All right. Well, thank you, Calvin. Anything else you want to add? The Jazz do play next Sunday. So, <laughs> Oh, do they? So we'll be back in like two weeks. So. <laughs> We yeah. shall see. But anyways, uh uh thanks for coming on, Calvin. We will talk to you guys next time. Yep.